Welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to Cyber Insurance, Insurance for Technology, with your host, Sam Garrow, Senior Vice President of the Compliance Department at Philadelphia Insurance Companies and AICP Mid-Atlantic Chapter President. Sam has experience in many capacities in compliance and product development with increasing responsibilities and management of those areas. He has managed compliance and product development units in both life and health and property and casualty. He received his BA degree with honors from Rutgers University and his law degree from Temple University's James E. Beasley School of Law. He is currently licensed to practice law in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Additionally, he holds the CPCU and ACP designations. And now, here's your host, Sam Garrow. Hi, this is Sam Garrow. Welcome to Cyber Insurance. First, let's talk about what is cyber insurance. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of history here so that you can kind of understand where this insurance was coming from when it was initially developed. Many, many years ago, I was working for a company that had a small business owner's product, a bot product. And the company was insuring a small little collectible shop in California. And I get a call from the underwriter that there was a copyright infringement claim coming out of this collectible shop. And the underwriter was really puzzled because first, it was very rare at that time, especially in a BOP product or a BOP policy to get a copyright infringement claim. And then he couldn't figure out what the collectible shop was doing that would have incurred that kind of exposure for copyright infringement. And as he started to look into it, he found out that this collectible shop was selling some stuff on the internet, which he had no idea they were doing. And apparently what they were doing was selling copyrighted photographs of a major celebrity and didn't get the permission from that celebrity's estate to do that. The underwriter just had no idea that they were doing anything like this or even that they even had a website. It just wasn't that popularly known at that time. So a lot of the, what we call the brick and mortar type policies, the commercial property, the commercial general liability, aren't really set up to handle major cyber exposures. And in fact, when cyber insurance was initially developed, the target audience for this was really technology companies, companies that were involved in technology, such as software development companies, hardware companies, software consultants, computer consultants, those kinds of operations. And it's only been, I would say, maybe in the last 15 years or so that the coverage was has started to evolve to start to take in more and more types of coverage for businesses that use some type of technology in their operations. So who really who really needs this? Well, it really depends. And the underwriter probably is going to have to ask how the business uses technology in their operations. Do they use data? Do they store the data? Do they sell the data? Do they service the data? Do they publish it and host it? And do they have an exposure if something happens to that data? And what happens if the data is stolen? We know that there is first-party claims against it. There could be third-party claims against it. Does the business have a website? Because if they have a website 
then they may have some intellectual property issues. They may have infringement of privacy issues, misuse of confidential information, defamation of competitor products. Do they have links to other websites on their website? Are there any privacy issues? What are they putting on their website? And then it comes an issue of, does the business do business over the internet? If they do, then they have exposures around data and loss of data. They might have intellectual property exposure claims. They might have an exposure to virus or spammers. They might have an issue if the host server goes down, which would shut the access to their business down. There's always exposure to hackers. There's personal identifiable information exposure, which we'll get to in a little bit. And of course, the most recent concern, which is hitting the news all over the place, ransomware, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then there's still internal issues for businesses. For example, lost or stolen laptops. If the laptop gets stolen, what information is on that laptop that could be a problem for that business if that data was gotten by somebody else that is not part of the business? Protection of employee information. Internal sabotage or theft of data. Somebody within the company is able to access the data and does something bad to it. Poor use of passwords. They don't have really good passwords to protect that information. Personal identifiable information in plain view. Do they leave stuff on their desk that might contain social security numbers, things of that nature? Use of vendors. Now, a lot of companies use outside vendors to manage their data. And what kind of requirements are around that? And what kind of safeguards are around that? The use of unauthorized software. People or employees that have laptops or just desktop computers, do they have unauthorized software on those laptops, on those computers? So they're all the exposures that a company has. And again, it gets to the level of what does the company use in their business operations from a technology standpoint that may require them to look for coverage outside of the normal commercial property, general liability types of, of coverage. Technology companies, of course, uh, have their own types of exposures. They may develop and maintain websites, host websites, develop software. They may do programming. They may do consulting. They may be an internet service provider. They may build systems. So they're obviously in the technology business, and they definitely need this kind of insurance. You know, initially, for most businesses, as it was for a lot of just ordinary people, the biggest exposure many years ago was a virus. People were very concerned about a virus somehow getting onto their systems and deleting their data or just freezing up the system. That was the biggest concern. And then it morphed over to protection of personal identifiable information. That was a big thing where hackers were getting into company systems and getting data that was unique to individuals, such as social security numbers, driver's license numbers, credit card information, things of that nature, and then selling it on the dark web where others can access it, use it to commit uh, fraud. We know that there were quite a number of major breaches that happened. You may recall the Target breach some years ago. So that was an example of uh, a major data breach. And then a few years ago, the issue around phishing attacks became very prominent. That was a situation where folks were sending out emails trying to get employees at companies to release company information, financial information. It would look like a legitimate email coming from 
either an outside vendor or a bank, or maybe even internally from some high executive within the company saying, oh, I need some assistance. I have to pay some kind of a bill. Can you send me your bank information so I can give that to the vendor? And the employee thinking it's legitimate would release that information and cause a financial loss to the company. And then the most recent big issue, and you see a lot of this in the media now, ransomware attacks, where a hacker goes in, gets the company data, and holds it for ransom, won't release it back to the company unless they pay a sum of money. And what happens is the company would have to decide, do they do this and get back into operation again? Do they pay the money? Because the data that was 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 gotten by this hackers where they're holding it is used in the business. So that's the next area that's coming. And so all those things that I just mentioned are still issues. It's just that, you know, how they've evolved over, over time. The biggest, uh, one of the biggest exposures right now is ransomware and protection of personal identifiable information. And for protection of personal identifiable information, that can happen in a, in a variety of areas. It could happen from hackers. It could happen, as I mentioned before, from stolen laptops. It could happen from vendors who get your data and they're using it for some kind of a project and they're not protecting it on their end. It could be all those things. And when that information is accessed and utilized by somebody who's not using it to benefit the business and using it, obviously, like credit card information to use those credit cards to buy things for themselves, that presents a financial concern to the business. They could be sued. They just have a big financial risk there. In addition to that, not only do they have that financial risk, but most of the states require that if they've got a data breach that releases that kind of information, that they got to notify their customers within a certain period of time about that. Some states require that they offer services such as credit monitoring. So it becomes that kind of a situation as well for the business. There's a lot involved there. And of course, in some of those big data breaches, where they stole credit card information, which required their customers to go out and get new credit cards. Some of the banks were then going after those companies saying, you've got to reimburse me for the cost of issuing those new credit cards. So all of those things are an exposure for, for businesses. And of course, the data breaches, they still happen. They're still in the news. But ransomware seems to be one of the big issues now. It was always out there before, but we're starting to see some big ransomware attacks on major companies where you think that some of those companies should have the firewalls and things in place, but the hackers are always looking about how to get around those firewalls. From an insurance standpoint, a lot of those exposures are not covered with what we would primarily call the brick and mortar type operations. The coverages for commercial property, general liability were really set up to ensure businesses are operating out of buildings where you know, from a retail operation, you'd go to the store. From an office standpoint, you go in to the office to do the business, or the business just does their operations from an office. So the coverages were really built uh, around that. A lot of the standard coverages out there have exclusions for some of the things that you would want, potentially want to be covered by insurance. Uh, for example, a lot of the property policies out there may actually have a a deletion or don't cover data, electronic data, because the primary purpose of the commercial property coverage is to cover tangible property, property you can feel, property that you can see, 
which is obviously not data, and some specifically actually exclude electronic data. And in general liability, there are a number of exclusions that actually tend to exclude the exposures that you might think where you're really a good user of technology. There's an exclusion for infringement of copyright, patent, trademark, or trade secret. There's an exclusion for insurers, immediate, and internet-type businesses. There may be exclusion if you're, you know, you've got a chat room or a bulletin board out there. Those, those kinds of things would be excluded. The other issue in, in most of the common general liability policies is they usually have a definition of coverage territory. So they're only going to cover things that happen usually in the U.S. territories, things of that nature. Whereas if you're doing technology, of course, you can be doing your business using technology all over the world. So the coverages that are normal to what you might see again with a brick and mortar operation were really not set up if you're you know, a, a really decent user of technology. So as a result, companies started to develop these specific and unique coverages to be able to handle those types of, of cyber exposures. And the interesting thing about these, these cyber coverages is that they tend to bring in a number of lines of business into one policy. So some of the policies that I've seen will actually have liability coverage, they'll have some kind of prime coverage, they'll have property coverage, all within the same policy, and allow the insureds to pick and choose which they really need in their operation. So just looking at some of the common coverages, they'll have a number of insuring agreements. So one insuring agreement may provide website publishing liability. Another insuring agreement may provide security breach liability, where you've got a breach in your security, there's data that's stolen, somebody sues you, there might be liability coverage for that. Another insuring agreement may cover programming errors and omissions liability. Another insuring agreement may cover, and this is first party coverage, replacement or restoration of electronic data. So somehow your data gets lost or it gets corrupted and you now have to go out and bring that data back, they'll pay for that. That's what that, that insuring agreement will do. Extortion threats. There's also coverage in some of these policies to cover that ransomware attack, to actually reimburse if you have to pay a ransom to get your data back. There are conditions around that, obviously, and, and limits. So that's obviously something that, that you have to think about, but, but that, that, that is an insuring agreement in, in a number of the policies that I've seen. There's also coverage for business income, which essentially says, hey, if something, if you use data in your business and something happens to that data and now you can't do the business, there might be some coverage to, to restore the income that you would have gotten if that data had been there. So there's that insuring agreement. There's also an insuring agreement for public relations expense that I've seen in some of the policies. So essentially, you've got a data breach. Now your name is all over the media. It obviously doesn't look good for you. You're concerned that people may stop doing business with you because they may be concerned about giving you their credit card information. There's expenses for working with a public relations firm to kind of get out your story out to the public. And then finally, there's also an insuring agreement that I've seen for what is called security breach. So essentially, your personal identifiable information was breached, somebody's gotten that information, and the states require you to take action, sending notices, whatever. There's coverage to kind of help you 
pay for those kinds of expenses. So all of those, and, and there are other insuring agreements that I've seen. They're probably the major ones that I've, that I've looked at, but uh, a lot of those are out there and the insured can kind of pick and choose what they think they need working with their producer, their agent. So there's also other kind of specialized coverages that, that I've seen out there. Um, sometimes you can just buy that data breach expense where you have to work with the company to send out those notices. Sometimes you can buy that on its own. Um, so there's different kinds of policies. Companies have over time developed their own policies and, and rating. So if you're using technology in the business, uh, it might be worth it to look at some of these, uh, some of these coverages. The underwriting is also very unique with cyber insurance. In the what we call the brick and mortar type operations, where you've got the regular commercial property, general liability coverage, you're really looking at exposures around the building, how well protected they are from fire, how they were built, do they use frame, are they using brick, is it sprinklered? Uh, from a liability standpoint, you want to make sure that the building is properly maintained. If they're in an, you know, an area that it gets ice and snow, they clear the ice off. You're looking at things where people can sue you for something that happened at the building. With cyber, you're, you're looking at a lot different types of things. You're looking at the company's firewalls, how good are they? You may look at how often the company backs up their data in the event that there is some kind of a loss of data, how quickly they can get it restored. You're looking at whether or not they might do situations where they're testing how quickly they can get that data back into the systems. You might be looking at that. You might be looking at how carefully they're looking at the vendors that they might be working with who might be using the data and, and whether they have hold harmless agreements with those vendors, things of that nature is part of the underwriting that is being done for this type of insurance. So it's very unique, very different. Interestingly enough, when the coverage first came out many years ago, it was thought that this isn't something that your regular brick and mortar underwriters should be doing. You should be bringing in uh, specialty underwriters to underwrite this stuff, underwriters that understand what's going on here, because your brick and mortar operations aren't really going to understand what some of these technology companies might be doing. You know, they might not understand what a keylogger is or what a phishing attack is, uh, malicious code or spyware or a bot. So better to have these specialty type of underwriters handle this. Now, I think, I really do think that probably all the brick and mortar underwriters should definitely be considering the cyber exposures for the business, only because there might be a cyber exposure there, depending again on how, how they use technology in their operations. So I think every underwriter really needs to have some type of exposure to that so they can also underwrite that type of exposure. Very, very different, but something that I think every underwriter definitely needs to look at. So anyway, that's really what I wanted to talk about cyber insurance today. I thank you for listening and I hope you all have a great day.